I don't know how many times I've had the conversation recently with somebody about the soils are so soggy. I think we're close to 50% surplus moisture in our soils here in the northeast part of the state. And, of course, the conversation always comes around to that point. Yeah, but our equipment is so much better. And look how much we can get done in a short period of time. As I'm having this conversation for probably the 15th time, Bob Nielsen, Purdue University corn expert, comes out with an article that talks exactly about that. Bob, great to talk to you again, buddy. You started your article with a couple of facts. Go over those because I think they're so telling for this conversation. Yeah, and it's one of these almost obscure kind of things to talk about because certainly, you know, today's planters are much larger than they were, say, 25 years ago. And we also know that me as a farmer with a 60-foot planter, I can plant more acres in a given day than I could 25 years ago. But interestingly, when you look at the progress on a statewide basis, if you go back over time and look at whether or not on a statewide basis, do we really plant more acres in a week than we did 25 years ago? The answer is no. If you look at the single best week every year of planting, it varies from about 20% of the state's crop to maybe as high as 30% of the state's crop planted in a given week, you know, during the best week of the season. But that number hasn't really changed over the past 25 years. So I think the answer to this sort of a conundrum is the fact that, yes, individual farmers can plant more acres per day because of bigger equipment, but many of those farmers, their farm operations have grown, so they have more acres to plant, but they haven't doubled the number of planters necessarily. They still only have so many hours of a day. So I think another factor in all this is it's fair to say that today's weather is more erratic. We probably do have fewer working days available, well, like we're dealing with now with wet soils or cold soils. And so it's much harder to put in a whole week consecutive days of planting than it was 20 some years ago. We do have bigger equipment and yes, you know, we can plant more acres per hour, but... So dispelling the rumor that size matters, number one, and (laughs) number two, that weather is really what dictates everything. You have done so much work, probably more than anybody I'm aware of, on plant populations. You know, this conversation about late planting, but earlier late, does it matter at all in terms of plant populations? Because it seems in my memory that the numbers that you keep coming up with are pretty close, give or take. It really doesn't matter. Well, and as usual, I have to hedge around that answer. Assuming that you can establish the target population you're after, then it doesn't seem to matter early versus late planting. The agronomic optimum number of plants at harvest remains about the same, and it's somewhere around 30,000 per acre. But given that when we plant on the early side, when soils are cool, maybe they're too wet, and the plant struggles to germinate and emerge, uh, sometimes it requires a higher seeding rate to achieve the same target population. And so that's where, you know, if whenever we're forced into late planting, maybe one of the few upsides is that soils are typically warmer, typically no longer excessively wet, and so it's easier to achieve that target population. And so we can get by with a slightly lower seeding rate to aim at the same target than we could, say, in early April. So that population is about the same, whether we're talking mid-April or end of May, early June. And is that regardless of any of the new hybrid that we're seeing come out? 
It seems to be. We've, you know, over the course of the nearly 100 trials that we've done over the past five years or so, we've had quite a few widely accepted, widely grown hybrids, but we've had a range of types of hybrids. And uh, we just don't see any consistent differences among hybrids and their response to population. So I generally don't spend much time worrying about the hybrid I'm planting with regard to what seeding rate I use. I still aim for around that 30,000 final population, regardless of hybrid. You know, a a lot of attention to inputs this year, not only expense, but availability. Mm -hmm. Thinking about soil sampling has been a big part of the conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Depending on the results of soil sampling, would that change your application plan for your fertilizer, depending on what the soil sample Mm -hmm. revealed? Well, it, it could. I mean, certainly if your soil sample results indicate some soils that are truly deficient for phosphorus or potassium, then almost regardless of the price of of P and K, it would be worth applying that that fertilizer. If the soil test results showed that the soil levels of P and K were adequate or perhaps even higher than adequate, then when you're faced with the kind of prices we have today for dry fertilizer, uh, if your soils are adequate or better for P and K, then honestly, you can get by a year or two without applying any fertilizer if the wow. cost of that fertilizer is sky high like it currently is. So we have been trying to share that message with growers that if cash flow is really tight and, they're, and they've got soils that are in pretty good shape for P and K, they can get by without applying that high-priced P and K fertilizer with essentially no risk of yield loss. And and that's the thing to understand is that once the soil test levels reach the adequate category, by definition, that means the soils are capable of providing enough P and K to the plants. Mm. And what we're adding at that point, we're simply making sure that we replace what the crop is going to remove in the grain. But if, if we're at pretty high levels for P and K, those soils can go for a, a year or so without the need for any replacement with very little downside risk to it. So Certainly with as high priced as these dry fertilizers are today, that is certainly one way to minimize your input costs and, and preserve some of that profit potential. Boy, that is good news for some of the farmers mm-hmm. who have been struggling mm-hmm. with some of these high prices. Bob Nielsen mm-hmm. with Purdue University, partially retired. He's still <laughs> hanging around for a while. Bob, thanks so much. It's always great to chat with you. You're welcome. Podcasts by Federated Media.